Welcome to the GoBundance Podcast, the audio channel for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic lives. You know, the problem with most successful guys is they are awesome, yet at the same time, they suck. <laughs> They're too one-dimensional. Like, they have big, fat money, but also a big, fat gut. <laughs> or the opposite. They may look good as hell naked, but if you look in their savings account, they're as broke as a $3 watch. Some may have both muscle strength and financial strength, but they've been divorced five times and their kids don't even speak to them. Some have huge smiley family portraits in their foyer, but not a single friend that's honest and objective with them. Some may be gregarious as hell, surrounded by people and hugs galore, but their charitable giving is shameful. Come on, man. Really? That's all you gave back? I think you get my point by now. At GoBundance, we know we're not perfect, but our goal is to be better. Better multidimensionally in six simple categories. We call these our pillars. Number one, horizontal income. Number two, age-defying health. Number three, bucket list adventures. Number four, genuine contribution. Number five, authentic relationships. And number six, extreme accountability. So speaking of number six, let's dig into this week's interview with a GoBro. And you can tell me. Is he walking the talk or is he a false prophet? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the GoBundance Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. And today, today is groundbreaking. We have our first GoBundance Women's member as a guest on the podcast. I am really excited. Actually, we just interviewed uh, somebody of the same last name. I'll, I'll talk about here in a second <laughs> recently. And uh, I feel like we're going to get even more and better content out of, uh, out of this version of the same family. So today's guest is, like, is a psychiatrist. She's the owner of Black Swan Real Estate, mother of three, and wife of a GoBundance member, Nick Stagerberg, Elaine Stagerberg. Welcome. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Jamie. Excited to be here representing GoBundance Women. That's right. That's right. You are the, the first, and I'm sure you'll be the best forever. It'll be immortalized as the best. I don't know. It's, a, it's an amazing group of women. I, I, I highly doubt I'm the best, but I'm, I'm happy to be here to, to pave the way. I love it. I love it. Now I'm looking forward to getting more and more uh, GoBundance Women members on this podcast. So let's start with uh, a little backstory on you. Kind of give us the, the story of Elaine. Where are you from? What, are, you know, what you came up through and where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for, for having me here. I think GoBundance has been a, a fabulous organization to be a part of, and I love being in the women's tribe and um, seeing what the men's tribe has provided for my husband. And our kids are a little too young for FamBundance, but we, we look forward to that too as, as they get a little bit older. So in terms of introduction, um, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and if I've noticed one theme in, in many of the folks in GoBundance, it's that many of us come from challenging backgrounds, um, and that, that certainly is, is part of my story. So my biological parents, unfortunately, both struggled with uh, pretty severe substance use and mental health uh, illness. I was, I've never really known my mom for a number of reasons. Um, and my father, unfortunately, died of a drug overdose when I was 25, right before I started medical school. Um, and so his substance use was a, a big part of our growing up. Um, but then we also had some really protective factors in there. So for a number of years, my brother and I lived with my aunt and uncle, my dad's brother and his wife. And that was really protective. We lived there in our very young childhood. I was ages three to eight. 
And we learned about love and doing the right thing and the value of education and going to the public library. We, we struggled with poverty, but we did not struggle with poverty of love or poverty of ideas. And I really credit those formative years with laying the foundation that allowed me to escape that generational poverty and the substance use and become the woman I am today. And kind of went on. I, I lived with my, my father for a while. He had a period of sobriety, probably one of the biggest blessings of my life that I did get to have a relationship with my father because he had a, a several year period of sobriety. And my brother and I lived with him and my stepmother for those years. And in a lot of ways, that was kind of a, a picture perfect childhood. We, we had a house with a pool and Christmas was always fun. And we went to Disney World and we went to amusement parks and those sorts of things. Um, and then unfortunately, he had a, a relapse of his substance use that was much worse that, that second time around in my, my adolescence. I was legally emancipated when I was 16. I credit my father with recognizing that he was quite ill. And when I went to him at 15, we, we were in Pennsylvania, and the law is that you can be legally emancipated the week after your 16th birthday. And I said, Dad, this is my plan, and I need you to sign the papers. And he said yes. And that was challenging for both of us, but I, I think he knew that that was what I needed to break out of that cycle. And it actually allowed us to have a better relationship after that because number one, I was living in my own place. So I lived in Section 8 housing. I paid $25 a month for rent. That's the minimum that someone can pay. I was, I was in high school, so I had no income, um, but that's the minimum that someone can pay. But I still was able to see him and to do so on an adult to adult level. So I was able to say, you're not allowed to come here if you're intoxicated. You're not allowed to talk about these things when you're here. You're not allowed to ask me for money, those sorts of things. And that allowed our relationship to, to be better in the, the last 10 years of his life. I put myself through college, um, had great people in high school and in college that helped me with things like even knowing how to apply to college or how to take the SAT or, or do those sorts of things. I've always been very fortunate that school came easy to me. And so that was, you know, kind of a, a saving grace, put myself through college. And then, you know, th things were always, even though I was living on my own and kind of doing a different life and with new people in a, in a university setting, the relationship with my family was, was always quite challenging. And I had more of that sense that I had had at age you know, 15, 16, that I needed space away from, from these people. And so I moved from Pennsylvania to Oklahoma City. And part of that was I wanted to be so far away that I couldn't drive easily to them and they couldn't drive easily to me. And I wanted to be somewhere warm. It snows in Pittsburgh and I, I had lived there for 20 years and I was sick of the snow, although we'll get to a story of how I ended up in an even snowier place. So moved to Oklahoma City and I um, worked for AmeriCorps for a year, which is like the Peace Corps, but domestically. I did HIV education there and I really enjoyed that. Then I went to graduate school. Um, I studied um, health administration and policy, so similar to an MBA, but with a healthcare focus. Met my husband. I'm sure we'll talk a great deal about that. Certainly the, the most pivotal change in my entire life is meeting my husband and um, having the pleasure of being married to him and raising a family with him. And then I went to medical school um, and that was a, a very exciting journey. Um, I, I think the important piece there is I had thought that 
people like me don't go to medical school. People who come from poor families or have struggled that, that medical school is for rich families or for, for kind of a different kind of person. And I had a mentor in my life. I was actually working for her at the time. She was a pediatrician, Dr. Laura McGuinn. And she was the first person that really put into words for me that we can all become whoever we want to be. And a big part of that is surrounding ourselves by the people that we want to be like. And she just day in and day out would say, you work for me. You work with physicians every day. What, why, why do you have this belief that you can't do this? Of course you can do it. You just need to let go of these old beliefs. And I listened to her and it took about a year of her kind of working on me, but I listened to her and I applied to medical school. Um, I had the pleasure of training at the university of Oklahoma. And then I um, came to Rochester, Minnesota. So for residency, I chose a psychiatry residency, I was very fortunate to match at the Mayo Clinic, um, often named you know, the country's best hospital, the world's best hospital, uh, a very great privilege to train there and to, to finish my psychiatry residency there. And kind of a weird twist of fate, my husband, Nick, was born and raised in Rochester, and then he left for Oklahoma, kind of a similar story, um, challenging upbringing, um, wanted to kind of go out as a young man and have his independence. And so he went to Oklahoma to be very far away from Minnesota. And then as fate would have it, uh, we come back for the Mayo Clinic to do my training here. It's, a, it's less of a surreal experience for me because I didn't, I wasn't raised here. Um, but it's, he describes it as very surreal that, that we ended up back in Rochester. And then we started, um, we had started some real estate investing in Oklahoma City. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that in this, this call here. But continued that real estate investing for a number of reasons, came to love Rochester um, as an investment market because of the growth that's happening here and the economic strength, built a property management company, continued to build our own portfolio. Then we started working with other investors. When I finished my residency training, I actually dove headfirst into our business full time. And so at this time, I'm not practicing medicine. Nick and I are both running our company full time which is not what we would have expected you know, three, five, 10 years ago. But that's been really great that we get to spend all day together growing this company. It's kind of like our fourth child in a lot of ways. And then we get to spend all evening, all weekends together raising our family. Um, so we've been married for about 10 years now and we have three children. And the good Lord willing, we'd like to have one or two more. Just we love chaos. We love the, the chaos that children bring. We had three German shepherds when we met. I had two, he had one. So that was kind of the chaos that we had for the first season of our marriage and they have all passed on and now we have three children and that's the, the chaos that we'll have for the next 30 years and hopefully we'll have grandchildren and all of those things. And that's kind of my story in a, a five minute chunk there. Smaller, smaller German shepherds is what you have now. Smaller, maybe yes. more active German shepherds. So that's awesome. Yes. So yes. let me go back a minute. You know, you talked about, talked about proximity being uh, a key teaching, if you will, of the first person, the first doctor that you started working with. But, you know, early in life, as you said, you didn't have that proximity. In fact, you had proximity to the exact opposite of what could be. And I know in my family, you know, my upbringing wasn't as, as, uh, uh, I don't know, crying, I guess you could say. But around me was a lot of that cousins, aunts, uncles that went down a certain path. And all of the people that are like directly related, you know, the kids of the, the you know, whatever, they all went down that path as well. And many of them did. Uh, a few dragged themselves out. You dragged yourself out. 
So what do you credit that specifically, if anything? Is it just intervention from a, a higher being or, or what? Like what, what made you decide that, I mean, emancipating yourself is huge in and of itself, but that I don't want that path. I want a different path. How did that come to be? Do you recall a moment or was it just something in you that you always had uh, that you saw a better life for yourself? Yeah, so I think you hit the nail on the head there of some type, sort of higher being. So I, I don't I don't belong to any one particular religion, but I believe in things like God or the universe or some sort of divine energy or guidance. And certainly the older I get, the more I see that that presence has always been there. And it, it's it's kind of, it's like a string that sort of pulls me forward. And the more I listen to it, the easier that, that pulling is. Um, in terms of tangible things that, you know, have been provided to me, perhaps from that divine source, those years that I, that my brother and I lived with my aunt and uncle, I was very young. So I moved in with them a few days before my third birthday. Um, my mother was out of the picture and my father was going to jail for a number of DUIs. And so we physically needed a place to live. Mm. We ended up living with them for five years and, you know, as a psychiatrist, I now know that that, you know, three to eight year span of my life, you know, probably the equivalent of 20 years of growth, just because of how much we all grow in our in our young childhoods, and learning stability there. So there was no substance use there, there was a great deal of stability, they shielded my brother and I from a lot of the dysfunction in our, in our larger family, and, and a focus on education and going to the library and just uh, that, that my brother and I were loved and that we were worthy and that we would become something someday it was just it was just written into me it, like like into stone like that those lessons could could never be unlearned because they were so strong at such a, a young age and then I mentioned that that I, I, I was blessed that I've just, school has always kind of come naturally to me. And so in those young years, I was able to get a great deal of love at home and then also do well at school and enjoy that. And then in the later years, when I was living with my father and he was struggling with substance use and the relationship with my stepmother was never that good, home life wasn't great, but school was really good. So I had, you know, many hours per day where I was able to have guidance from other adults and just enjoy relationships with adults and, and see a, a path for the future there. And then I think, um, you know, to my father's credit, although he himself struggled with substance use, I also knew that he loved me a great deal. And I was, I, you know, I was angry with him a lot of my childhood, I think as any you know, child would be when they want something from their parent that they're not getting for whatever reason. And obviously, as an adult, I'm able to process it with a, a, a great deal more clarity than I was as a kid. As a kid, I was just mad, right? Like, why are you making these decisions? And I think because I had those formative years with my aunt and uncle at a very young age, I remember being, you know, 8, 10, 12 years old, and like literally looking around the room and like saying to the adults, like, none of you are making good decisions, but I am going to make good decisions when I'm capable of doing it. Mm. And that, that protected me in a lot of ways. It created a lot of friction between my father and I, and I carried a lot of resentment for him. And then when I was right before I started medical school, my husband and I went on a two week trip in Utah and um, we had, my husband and I had been married 
maybe about eight or nine months at that time. And we did a ton of hiking in these very remote areas in Utah where we were just by ourselves. And so even after you know, a number of hours hiking by ourselves, we weren't even talking to each other. And I had this like moment of supreme clarity that I was going to start medical school in a few weeks. And that there was something about that that was so different than how I had envisioned my life as a child that that felt very like life defining to me. And I was in Capitol Reef State Park hiking in this kind of channel in a canyon. And I had this moment of supreme clarity that I was succeeding in life, not in spite of my father. I had carried that of like, oh, he, he couldn't make good decisions. He couldn't raise me right. I had to leave at 16. I'm going to show him I'm better than him. That that was not the energy I needed to have that I was having this growing amount of success in my life because of him, mm. that because of his struggles, because despite the fact that he had been abused in childhood and he had had a very bad childhood and the mental health resources and the schooling and stuff that was available to me in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s weren't available to him in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So he had a tough childhood and no resources. I had a tough childhood, but had a lot of resources and that he loved me and that I, I was able to start to see that he had an illness and that I didn't have to succeed to spite him or to show him. I could succeed because of him, because he was able to give what he could to me. And that, although it was a rocky, bumpy path, it set me up for success in that early, early adulthood and in my marriage with my husband, and then, you know, planning to go to medical school. And if I think about, you know, the times of, in life that I've been most in communication with the divine or the universe or whatever we want to call it, certainly the birth of my children is up there. But that moment in that canyon totally changed my life. And I had a plan. This was in 2012. Cell phones weren't nearly as good. We had like terrible cell phone reception the whole time we were in Utah. And I had a plan to go home and to tell my dad this, this like life-changing way of thinking that, that our, our relationship didn't have to be so much friction anymore. And we came back from Utah on a Friday and he died that Saturday. Wow. Yeah. I usually don't cry during interviews, but wow. this, this, uh, this is, this is where it's at. It, it got me yeah. a little choked up in the moment there too. So yeah. um, I'm looking down from my camera at the screen now because, oh, wow. Okay. Did you get a chance to tell him then? I never did. I never did. And I think that that was kind of exactly as it was meant to be. Yeah. And he, the, the last kind of correspondence that he had with me was he had called me while I was in Utah. And so I hadn't answered it. And he had left a voicemail that blessed technology. I still have saved in my email. I had sent him this really beautiful canvas of a picture of he and I at my wedding and he had just received it. Um, and in the in this voicemail, he he sounds very happy. And he says, "I." And he's like describing it to me. He's like, I, "I just got this canvas in the mail. It's like as big as a television. Like you're on the left. It, it's it's very cute. It's like he's describing it to me as though I have never seen it, even though I'm the one that like sent the gift to him. Sure. You're on the left, and I'm on the right, and I'm smiling, and your hair looks so pretty. And so that was his last communication to me. And my last communication to him was kind of 
via the universe. I guess I just have to believe that that he received that communication, even though it, you know, he didn't hear it directly from my mouth. And it kind of, I think your question was like, how was I able to kind of quote unquote make it despite a tough childhood? And I think, you know, the, the theme there is love from caring adults, love for my parental figure, even though he struggled a lot, even though he had his own challenges. Yeah. And then at the time that I was mature enough to, to, to feel it, um, a sense of forgiveness and a sense of he gave me everything he could and perhaps I wanted more, but that's not the plan that the universe had for us. And that's totally okay. What's up everybody. This is Pat Hyben and Tim Road, uh, founders of GoBundance. And we wanted to give you a quick sneak peek of our August event coming up in Steamboat, Colorado. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of uh, feedback that you'd love to see us kind of go back to the old ways. Want to see us do the one sheets, want to see go talks, more connecting at the event. So we're committed this year and we promise, number one, all four elders are going to be there. Number two, it's going to be 50% on stage, 50% off stage, which means, you know, 50% of the time at least is going to be spent interacting with all the other members. And some of the cool things that we got going for you on stage is of course as usual we're going to do the bull versus bear and we really really put our heads together and said what is something that's debatable and that one thing is retail so we are going to bull versus bear on the asset class retail real estate is that going to bomb or should you be buying into that that's number one. We're going to be doing the ever-popular 728 program with Aaron West, Daniel Del Real. We're going to have David Osborne leading three businesses through the gauntlet. The gauntlet. And if you haven't seen the last gauntlet, the gauntlet is basically it's a shark tank. David's going to run the shark tank. He's going to be like the three shark tank judges all in one. Actually, what he's going to be is he's going to be like the, the, lead, the interactive guy. And then the audience is going to be like the judges. So the three Shark Tank people will come and present at the gauntlet. Then they'll go into a soundproof booth. And everybody will rip them to shreds in the audience. So it'll be really, really cool and very engaging as to um, how people pick apart investments. And, of course, they're real investments. So afterwards, if you want to throw some money down on it, you can too. And then during the day, of course, we'll be getting the goods in the woods. We have all sorts of fun things lined up for you. Plenty of options to play hard, to uh, play light. However you play, there will be a way for you to get it. Yep, and something we're going to do that's, that we haven't done before, we're going to have a very organized golf tournament. It's going to be a GoPod golf tournament, or if your GoPod is not there, then you can just pick a random foursome. We're also going to have an ultimate Frisbee GoPod challenge. So in your GoPod, you're going to go against other GoPods in a game of ultimate Frisbee, and we're going to bracket it. We're going to have a huge prize at the end for the winner. So here's the deal. Sign up. Come to Steamboat in August. Here's all the information on the screen. We look forward to seeing you there. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com.
you know, it's, it's interesting listening, you know, I'm going to, at the risk of sounding like I know what I'm talking about in your, in your chosen field before you left residency in psychiatry, but any, any person, whether they're struggling with demons, addiction, substance abuse, whatever it might be, uh, that's willing to emancipate their child at the age of 16. Uh, that is, that is one of the, and maybe it sounds a little backwards, but to me, it sounds like, and you said it earlier, one of the ultimate expressions of love. That could not have been easy. That could not have been easy. So for, for to your point about the universe delivering that message, maybe without you being able to verbalize it, it, it sounds as though he knew what you just had the epiphany of. I mean, he had to have known what you, what you learned in that, in that arc with no cell phone connection, uh, that moment of clarity that you had. He had that moment. He, he had to have. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have emancipated you at 16. He knew that despite all that was going, he was going through, life was happening for you, not to you. This mm-hmm. relationship was happening for you, not to you. I say that not to, not to psychoanalyze or anything like that, but <laughs> more maybe just a human need on my part to say, uh, I'm sure he knew, right? Uh, you know, to, to put you at ease in some way, shape, or form as much as I possibly can in this first encounter we have together. That it's just listening to the, to the story you just gave. It, in my mind, it clicked like, yeah, but he knew. You know what I mean? That's well, kind of what came to my brain. Like, yeah, he knew. He had to have known. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done. You know, it would have been all ego. No, you're not. You're not. A, you're my daughter. You're not emancipating yourself, right? So right, right. there's something. This man. There's a wisdom inherent in him that uh, that was masked. It sounds like by by some of the struggles that he had, and um, that's powerful. That's really incredible. That uh, that uh, that. However, the timing was like you said. It happened for whatever reason, and that seems to be the through line in your life. That all of this stuff happen for you, not to you. And that's a really powerful moment of clarity for you. So thank you for okay. sharing that. That, that had to be tough. And I'm, I, I thank you for going through all of that. Yeah. What other thing I was saying, I'm always amazed. It's like a sobering reminder about those quiet moments. You know, whenever you take a minute to stop, go away to a field, to a, to a park, you know, just put the phone down or whatever, the, the most incredible things come to you. So have you had, have you have you implemented that? Do you do that often? Is that something you do in your life now? Is that something that you you t- you know like kind of recognize like wow okay let me let me hack that moment and and repeat it? Just curious. Is that something that you do with any frequency now? Just sort of get quiet, get alone, get some space for yourself. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. That it's it's a superpower that we all have that we're you know, we're born with. It's free. It takes our time, and that that makes it the challenging the challenging part. Certainly growing up or even five years ago, I, that would have sounded just repulsive to me. You know, I wanted to be around other people. I wanted to go, go, go. I'm actually kind of an introvert, but I still like being around people. And then I just kind of need some, some quiet time to myself afterwards. Sure. But today, um, being a physician, a business owner, and a mother of three, the quiet time is the most valuable thing I have. Um, and so I've, I've implemented a practice of getting up early, spending just a little bit of time. It can be even five minutes, which again, if someone had told me that sort of pre-children, I would have said, what, like, what can you accomplish in five minutes? And, but now I know that it can be a lot, um, and trying to do it with some amount of frequency as much time as possible outside. Mm -hmm. So it's not quite those, you know, long, quiet hikes that my husband and I had pre-children. It's more kind of stop and go and feeding Cheerios and getting the water bottle back out for the hundredth time and all of that. But there's still a a certain amount of of quiet that comes from being outside that's just very different than, than doing anything indoors. And then a thing that I really love to do now that I'm trying to do at least once a month and and sometimes even more often 
is floating. So for those of you that, that haven't heard of that, um, it's also called sensory deprivation, which I think is such a kind of a, a yucky term for such a beautiful thing. But you basically lay in, it's just like a big like box and it has a like a, a door and you get in it and it's about eight inches of warm water, body temperature water with 800 pounds of Epsom salt in it. So you float in it. There's no way you could roll over or anything dangerous. You're, you're completely floating there. And you close the lid and you wear, wear earplugs so there's no sound, no light. Your body eventually can't even really feel itself because the water is so silky and it's the same temperature as your skin. You don't feel anything you know, under your, your bottom or anything because you're floating. You're not like laying on a bed or anything. Um, and then, of course, there's no taste. And that is something I crave. I love doing it. I get some of the best insights of my life. I... Sometimes it sounds a little, this is, this is getting a little crazy, Jamie. We like just met and I'm crying and telling you all my crazy stuff, but sometimes I, I, will get, I open people up. <laughs> I will get in there and I will literally just start talking. So sometimes I stay totally quiet, but sometimes I actually talk and there's something about the talking, physically moving my mouth and making sounds that I am able to tease out questions I have or problems I'm going through or a situation I can't quite figure out. I'm, I'm just, I'm able to just be sort of half in my own mind, but half in this quiet space with the universe. And it is so powerful and Floating is, you know, popular enough that certainly most big cities have them. We live in Rochester, which is a small city, and there's a, a float place here. So for anyone that has heard of it or is thinking about it, I highly recommend it. I think it's an even deeper experience than meditation. It can be scary at first. It took me about five times before I actually liked it. And then the sixth time I like got it and it clicked. And now it's just it's almost like addicting because it's so peaceful and I leave kind of so just so quiet in my soul, which, you know, living in 2021 with cell phones and screens and businesses and kids and traffic and all of the stimulation we have, that quietness in the soul is a superpower. And, and I'll go back to what I said in the beginning that it's available to all of us. It's not, it's, you don't have to be smart or wealthy or well-connected or anything, getting quiet is something that we can all do wherever we are. We could all just pause it right now and just be quiet for five minutes and experience that superpower. And that's, that's probably my favorite thing about it is that it's available to everyone wherever we are. You're, you're making me remember I've been to, I've done salt floats or sensory, whatever you call it. And they're, they are incredible. They're trippy in some way. Mm -hmm. like it takes you if the first 20 minutes, I'm like, you know, just jitters. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's over. And all these thoughts, like, come to me after that I had in the moment. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yep. it's just this, like you go away. It's almost, I, I guess it would almost be akin to, to, you know, uh, manage psychedelics in some way, right? <laughs> like you, yes. you literally yep. kind of trip out, right? Like it, it, I, for me, it does, but we haven't done it in like four or five months. Maybe, well, I guess maybe even more than that. I think about it, it might've been pre COVID, but it's time to get back to it. Cause it is an incredible experience. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Schedule um, one. I'm sorry. Schedule one, schedule yeah. a session. Well, for those out, like you said, true rest is a, is a chain of them. It's just, you know, they're in, in every city now. It's as much as a massage envy or any of these places, or there's local places that do it as well. So no, I'm definitely going to do that. All right, let's jump over to the, I had a couple other things, but in respect of your time here and without getting too much heat, let's jump over to the, um, to the one sheet questions. 
We'll go pillar by pillar, learn a little bit more about you and uh, maybe dig in here and there on that as well. And then we'll, we'll wrap up at the end. So if you're ready. Yeah, ready do it. All right. So horizontal income, let's start with this first pillar. What currently is your year, yearly horizontal income and how many lines is that? Yeah, so my husband and I have built a real estate portfolio over about the last 10 years. And I'm sure there's you know, people of all, all stripes listening to this all the way from Ascend and Emerge to uh, you know, kind of the, the rock stars of, of GoBundance. But I want to throw out a message for uh, maybe people who are earlier in that trajectory to say that it can be done. So you might hear in my story that I'm a physician or those sorts of things. So we actually built our entire real estate portfolio before I ever worked as a physician. So I had the heavy weight of medical school and residency and three young children, and we were able to build our portfolio. So it's, it's, it's hard work, it takes a lot of literal hard work, long hours, hustle, networking, um, but very possible. So today we personally own about $25 million of real estate. So if you kind of count each of our individual properties, we have about a hundred streams of income. We've created a property management company and another, a, a number of other businesses around that. So it's a little hard for me to kind of wrap our heads around, wrap my head around our income because some of it's you know cash flow and some of it's equity and some of it's debt pay down. Um, but we're in a position today where we have several million dollars of income each year, which is just mind blowing. It's what we've worked for for so long. And now we're, we're getting to experience it um, all through the power of real estate investing and leverage. I love it. I'm going to guess that puts you above a 100 percenter as far as uh, mm -hmm. income to expense ratio, unless you're very lavish, which you might be. <laughs> yeah. So our kind of the way we think of it is our uh, rental home portfolio provides for all of our needs. So our own mortgage, childcare, health insurance, all you know, vacations, living expenses, those sorts of things. And then everything else that we do is just to fuel growth. So our property management company, the additional investments that we're getting into, because we really have a vision of changing property management and bringing um, the values that we have in business to property management, which is kind of a, a young industry. So my husband comes from technology. I come from medicine, very well-established industries, uh, you know, clear standards of excellence. And property management is a baby industry as compared to those. There's very few like national standards or governing bodies or you know, even like large property management companies in the whole country. There's a small handful of them, but, but not many. And we see ourselves in that space. We see ourselves bringing the values of making a rental living experience as good or better than a homeowner experience. That's what people want these days for, for all sorts of demographic reasons. And so we could stop and just live off of our, our passive income, but we have this, this desire for more, this desire to contribute, to, to change an industry and to kind of leave our mark on the world. And I think it's surprising to both of us, again, coming from technology and medicine, I think we thought that would be the path for us, but this is where the universe has kind of guided us. Um, and we're able to take the, the excellence from those industries and then work with, with folks in those industries who are looking for their own sources of passive income and take our expertise and help those people. Um, and so we just continue to grow, grow, grow because of a desire to contribute. 
I like that. Yeah, there's no, there's never a destination, right? Wherever the destination, right. the, the goalpost moves. And that's what you were, you were saying. I always say that people say, oh, I want a private jet one day. It's like, well, no, you don't want a private jet. You want to become the person that needs the private jet, right? That's like you exactly want to get right. On whatever that is. So that's exactly uh, right. And that yeah. right there is why I love GoBundance because people in GoBundance get that. And it's like a shorthand that we can say to each other, like, oh, I want the second home or the jet or the charity or whatever. But we all really know that what we want is the growth that comes with it. That's it. Fulfillment. At the end of the day, fulfillment yeah. and purpose. So no, that's great. From a net worth perspective, what what percentage would you say is real estate versus other other assets that you might own? Is it like largely real estate with a couple of other things or do you balance it out in any way? Yeah. So we are basically 100% real estate and cash. So we stay liquid enough to you know have safety and continue to grow our portfolio, but 100% of our investments are in real estate. And then a, a growing portion of our net worth is the value of our businesses, but we are the largest customers of our businesses. So it's kind of hard to tease that out. Our businesses are just there to fuel growth. Yeah. Real estate related as well. So that all makes yep. sense. Okay. Let's jump over to age defying health. What does the daily diet and exercise routine look like for you right now? Yeah. So I would say that's a big part of the reason I joined GoBundance is that focus on the whole person or the whole woman. Um, Cause that's an area that I, I do struggle with for whatever reason, I'm very motivated to have a great relationship with my husband, with my children, to grow the business, to do well professionally health. You know, even as a physician, I think it's, it's easy for me to kind of set it to the side. And I know that that's not what I want. I know that I'm, I'm building this, this legacy with my children and future grandchildren and this business, and I want to be around to enjoy it. But one thing that, that I have done in the past many years that I think has been very positive is implementing a regular practice of intermittent fasting. And I certainly don't describe myself as a vegan or a vegetarian, but pretty close. So I only eat meat a few times a month. I try to stay away from animal products. And, and those two things have been challenging changes, but very positive changes. And I find that it's kind of a, a positive feedback loop that I feel better when I'm fasting. I feel better when I'm eating a plant-based diet. Um, and so just kind of continuing on that path. And then I've had, I've had three children in the last five years. And a big part of the reason I want to stay healthy is that I want more children and Pregnancy and breastfeeding is very hard on the body. Um, so, but most of our activity these days kind of centers around kids. And we have a, an almost six-year-old, an almost four-year-old, and then a, a one-and-a-half-year-old. Um, and so we're able to kind of do a little bit more with them, you know, more hiking, swimming, doing some more outdoors things than we were when they were, were much littler. COVID has been really helpful with that, that we were not going to sit in a house for a year straight with, with three young children, but we also didn't necessarily want to be around other people because of the infection risk. So we basically have just spent the entire last, you know, going on a year and a half now, just outdoors. We, we, we get the kids, we, they, they have continued to, to be in school and we get them from school and then we're just outdoors the rest of the time. And that, I, I hope that that's a change that came to us kind of accidentally because of COVID, but that stays with us for years or decades to come because it's, it's been very good for us and it's been very good for them. They sleep better. They behave better. The house doesn't get super messy. It's just kind of good for everyone. Like, we just have to uh, take a lot of showers. We're like always covered in dirt and sand and <laughs> chlorine. And <laughs> chlorine is a big one for us too. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Like you said, there's some things that happen in COVID that it's like, actually, let's continue this. Like, you know, again, yeah. life happening for you, not to you. So exactly. on this point, yeah. you mentioned, I want to kind of pause here for a second, because I think it would be 
I don't know, with you being our first female guest, I think it would be remiss not to kind of kind of dive in here for a second. You mentioned about, you know, like when families decide to have kids, I mean, you know, fun for the husband, right? But, but for the wife, you've got to go through massive changes in your body, uh, which affects your, your, you know, your emotions and everything else for this nine-month period. Then as soon as you go through this incredibly physical event of delivering a baby, that baby needs your body right away, right? There's just no break. This, you know, we, we as men always cry about all oh, the sleepless nights, but come on, it's nothing compared to what the mom has to do, especially if you're breastfeeding. How is that? Talk to us about the dynamics of, of being a very financially successful, business savvy, business successful woman and the balance that you have to strike or that you have struck with being a mom and going through three pregnancies in five years with the plans to do to do one or two more. I, I can't imagine the challenges. I'm so glad I was born. A, I can't imagine a guy I can't imagine going through what women go through, you know, whatever, uh, month to month. And then, of course, through pregnancy and all, I, I don't have the strength for it. So how do you find that balance? And what challenges, if any, are there in that as a woman? Like speaking to the women out there, what challenges have you faced? And, and any thoughts on, on how you overcome that or how you, how, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. So I'll let yeah, you kind of go yeah. on that. It, that, that's a that's a that's an excellent question. That's probably the the, the toughest question you've you've sent my way this there, during this call. So I would say you know to to the women listening and, and to the men to give yourself grace. Give yourself grace. Know that we as humans are meant to live in tribes. We're meant to live with not just our you know our our romantic partners and our children, but our brothers and sisters and their children and our parents and, and their brothers and sisters. And in modern society, most of us don't. And so we are we are living and raising children at a time that's probably harder than most parents in all of human history. We're very lucky that we don't have to worry about our children getting bit by snakes or taken away by the lion or dying of you know, diarrheal illnesses or other things that some people in the world do have to struggle with. And certainly people in, in many generations before us did have to struggle with. But we have a new set of challenges. And it can feel like I have to go, 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 or I'm so alone, or, you know, especially as you say, for moms, that it's kind of a 24 hour job of either working all day or even just taking care of the kids all day. And then kids often need a great deal of, of care through the night as well. So it, it never stops, especially when they're very little, you know, under say one year old. So give yourself grace and know that you are doing something that most humans in all of human history have not done. And then if you believe that that's the problem, think about ways that you can try to solve it. Maybe it is finding a mom friend that has a baby. Things that have been very helpful for me are pre-children. I only used Facebook to communicate with people I physically knew. And when I, when I had my first baby, I struggled so much with breastfeeding. I just did not know what to do. I was getting a ton of help from my doctor, a ton of help from trained lactation professionals. And I still just could not figure it out. I had all these like tiny little questions. And that's when I discovered that you could go on Facebook and join groups of people you didn't actually know who were, who had a, a common reason to be together. So I joined a, a breastfeeding moms group. And then I'm like, oh, if there's a group for this, I bet there's a group for scheduling vacations or a group for cooking healthy recipes or whatever comes to mind. And now I'm just in dozens and dozens of, of Facebook groups. And then, you know, today I'm in in-person groups too, like, like Go Abundance. But find a tribe 
whether it's something on social media or a local thing in your area, especially now that some things are, are opening back up with COVID, let your family know if you have a sister or a cousin or a mom or, or whomever, let your family know, like, this is more lonely than maybe I realized, or don't forget about me just because I you know, can't come to some things right now because I have a newborn at home or, or a little kid or, or those sorts of things. Um, I think that, you know, my experience has been when you tell people that you want them, they will be there. They just, they just need to be reminded where we all kind of get sucked into our own vortexes and maybe forget that, Oh, my mom friend over here is struggling because she has some little ones at home or I haven't heard from her lately, but that's not because she doesn't want to hear from me. She's just really busy. So you reach out. And then if, if you're listening, reach out to, to your mom friends. Um, and then I, I have been very lucky that um, my husband is a very dedicated father. So he never knew his father. His story's kind of, similar to mine. I never really knew my mother. He never really knew his father. He also had a very good mother who struggled with her, some health issues of her own, but loved him a great deal. And so we came into our marriage with the belief that we knew how important parental love was, but we also knew how challenging it was to only have one of our two parents. And that was not what we wanted for ourselves and for for our own children. Um, so he's been right alongside me waking up in the middle of the night, even when I was breastfeeding, even to say, I know that I can't breastfeed the baby, but can I get you a glass of water? Can I get you a snack? Can I get you a blanket? Maybe I can change the diaper, you know, just do, if I had to be awake for, you know, 20 minutes, if he could take the last five minutes of, you know, getting the baby back down to sleep or kind of turning on the lights, turning off lights, all the little things that happen, then, then that could be you know very helpful. And you know, across the night, that might be an extra 30 minutes of sleep that I would get. And, and having a very good communication with each other, um, especially as our children got older and were no longer breastfeeding, that I could say to him, I really need sleep tonight. Or he could say to me, I really need sleep tonight. Or even just during the day, I, I really need your help with the kids right now, or I really need you to take care of this. And we both, we both know that we have big goals for our family. We want a big family and we know that that's a marathon that we're going to have to run together. And we want both of us to be very interested in continuing to run that marathon. And so we don't want either of us to ever get to a feeling of like, this is too hard with, you know, say one, two or three young children at home. I don't want more children. We don't want either of us to ever say that to the other one. So we're both just always checking in with each other of, how are you doing? Is there anything I can do to help? We know that we have to run this household together. Blessedly, as our incomes have gone up, we've been able to hire a great deal of household help to take care of, you know, some of the things like laundry and cleaning and the lawn so that we're able to focus more on spending quality time with our children. Even when we do those things ourselves, we make sure to include our children, especially as they are, you know, getting a little bit older now that they understand that it takes effort to run a household. Someone has to put the laundry away. Someone has to mow the lawn. Someone has to take care of the pool. And they're a part of that. So that's kind of a ramble there. But modern day parenting is very hard. It requires a lot of people and it requires a great deal of communication and kind of putting a, a big heaping helping of grace on top of that. And just love your kids, right? Like if, if anyone has listened to my story, it's that my childhood was really tough. We were really poor, like didn't have clothes, like often didn't have food, had very poor housing conditions. My father struggled with substance use, lots of challenges. And the reason I am who I am today 
is that I had those really good years with my aunt and uncle and they loved my brother and I, and we had those really good years with my dad and my dad showed that he loved me a great deal. And that can overcome a whole lot of the other things. So even if you yell at your kids or you're not spending as much time with them as you want, or you you don't have the picture perfect birthday for them because you're too busy or whatever, that stuff goes by the wayside. If you love your children and they know that you love them and they know that they're very special to you, a whole lot of the kind of day-to-day minutiae just all takes care of itself and kids grow up very okay. There's so many things in there that, um, that are, you know, you're sort of, you're, there's a story of tribe here that you mentioned that you were unintentionally placed in uh, uh, the right tribe from the ages of three to eight. And you realize later how much that served you and you become, it sounds like very intentional with placing yourself around the right people or very intentional with finding the right tribes. I think that's a major lesson here. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I think, you know, on the, on the, the mom part of it and, and, you know, giving yourself grace, that's so true. I know my wife struggled with it and we're so close still to a generation. Uh, I think that has a traditional view of the man and woman in a, in a, in a, in a, in a relationship or as a mom and a dad and you know the woman's role or the mom's role is to be mom and when she's not being mom and she's building a business she's being a badass there could be a sense of guilt with that i've seen that with my wife at least i'm sure many women share that maybe some don't if they had a more enlightened upbringing or or, or a little bit more of a of a progressive background from their from their family's perspective but my hope is that as we go you know you as a parent of children and their their them as parents of children that that of children that it's that it's not so expected that there's, you know, a role for you to play or a role for me to play as a father or whatever the case may be. Cause I think there's, I think that contributes a lot to what a lot of women go through when they're trying to mm-hmm. balance mom and business and everything else. And I love how you said it, your business is your fourth child right now. That's mm-hmm. a good way of looking at it. You have, yep. you have a lot of people you're responsible for. So I love that you take that on. Yeah. So if here's I what I'm going to do. Speak very quickly. If I can oh, speak yeah. very quickly to, to the dads, one of the things that I actually learned from, from Tony Robbins, you know, despite my, my great education as a psychiatrist, I actually learned this from, from Tony um, of all sources. And it's been really powerful in my relationship with my husband. And it's that masculine energy is very focused, right? You gotta, you have to hunt the lion and you need to focus on that to bring food home. And feminine energy is very diffuse. You need to kind of watch that the kids are over there, but also be kind of looking in that bush and also kind of thinking about there's a fire over here that maybe I'm boiling some water on. And neither one is better or worse than the other. They're just very different. And in today's world, that often means, not always, but often means that Uh, a a masculine figure is at work or even they're at home, but they're maybe working on a project around the house or kind of doing something with one of the children or or something like that. And the feminine partner is just thinking about everything that what are we going to have for dinner? And, Oh, there's a soccer game coming up, but tomorrow this kid needs to have their dance clothes ready. And Oh, this weekend is a family member's birthday party. And that is heavy Mm -hmm. on women and then add on that women don't have their sisters and their aunts and all of the things that we had many, many generations ago to kind of carry that load together, it can be very challenging. And so one of the things that, that my husband has done that once we've kind of learned this concept from a, a Tony event several years ago is starting each day asking me, what is most on your mind and what can I take off of your plate? And we run a business together. So sometimes that's, hey, I need you to take care of this thing in the business. But if we're, let's assume that the partners have have two separate jobs or two separate businesses or whatever, but taking even a few things off of your partner's plate is going to give her 
so much more peace and energy and the ability to know that you have that, that you're taking care of getting someone to soccer and making sure the dance clothes are in the bag for tomorrow and you're going to take care of the birthday present so she can focus on some other things. Maybe one of those things might be herself. And I promise you, if a woman has time to focus on herself, that's probably going to come back to the masculine partner because she's probably going to desire to be with him. Mm. So just kind of thinking about the differences in attention and the, the weight of the diffuse attention that feminine energy typically has and thinking, what can I do to get some things off of her plate and doing so in a very loving, serving way. And I, I think we all know that what you put out into the universe often comes back. So don't put it out with an energy of, oh, I'm going to do these things for her so I can get something from her that I want. Put it out with, I love her. And I know that she has 999 million things on her mind. And the way my mind works is just more naturally focused on one or two. So I'm going to take some things off of her plate, give her some space to be her own beautiful self, to have her own beautiful energy. And it's probably going to be good for all of us. And meeting Nick on this podcast, but also in Atlanta, he lives and breathes that. Talked about you, talked about how powerful you are, not only in the relationship you have as a couple, but also in the business itself and how much of a driving force and how much he's behind you. It's really, really cool to see the dynamic of your relationship from both sides now. So Appreciate yeah. that. And you just made me realize this diffuse energy that you mentioned, uh, you know, in, in, you know, with my GoPod, we always talk about our wives and what's their love language and like all of every woman that I know, uh, acts of service is in there. And yes. so to your point, you know, taking something off acts as that act of service speaks to love as long as it's not tactical, like you said, you know, not looking to give to get, but just looking to love and give. Uh, I think that's great, great advice. So let's do this in the interest of time and everything, because I, I mean, your story is incredible. I'm glad we got through as much as we did, but I could probably go another hour. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> probably both have calls come up, but I'm going to jump to a question from the GoBundance card game here. Awesome. Uh, That's super fun. We'll, we'll wrap up. So the question is, what is the hardest thing you have ever done in the name of personal growth? Ooh. Um, it's a lot of hard things you've done. So you may have already touched on eight, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good one. You know, we talked about some things that, you know, maybe I didn't necessarily do, but the universe kind of provided to me, like going to medical school, kind of that clarity I had around my relationship with my father, really being intentional in finding a partner and then building a marriage with him that, that is the, you know, the, the adult life that I want. If I had to say the one that's been the hardest and it's ongoing, that is going to continue to go on until the day I die it's shedding my ego. It, anytime I feel it, and we all have it, so for some people it's really big, for other people it's maybe a little smaller, but we all have that feeling of, for me it manifests as things like, well, I disagree with that person, so I must be better, or, well, my business is bigger, or my kids are cuter, or, you know, whatever, whatever. And it does not serve me. It never has. Maybe when I was like 12 or 13, maybe, maybe when we're all like 12 or 13, we need like a few years of it so that we can separate from our parents and, and find our way in the world with our own identity. But I would posit that in adulthood, it does not serve any of us. It's a human tendency. It's a survival mechanism. We all want to make sure that we survive, make sure that we are in a group of people and that we have some type of, you know, uh, belonging in that group so that we're not left in the savannah to die by ourselves. But really, it doesn't serve us. Really, we need to just remind ourselves or I need to remind myself that that's a survival mechanism. It's not the best way that I can use my brain. 
anytime I feel it, I have, I've trained myself when I feel it, that I have to stop everything that I'm doing and think about either something I'm grateful for or something I love about that person. So if I find myself comparing myself to someone, I have to say, nope, that's my ego. That's a survival mechanism that does not serve me. I choose not to participate in that. And I'll tell you what, instead of comparing myself to Jane, I'm going to stop and think about, man, that one conversation I had with Jane, she taught me about XYZ or gave me this new insight. And I really appreciate her in my life. And she has, she has given me something of herself and I'm so grateful for her and just training myself to do that over and over and over. It's not quite a reflex. I think with more years of practice, it will be, but that's hard for me um, because I, I, I don't even want to give an excuse. It's hard for all humans and and it's hard for me. And the more I can let go of my ego, the, the more I grow as a person and the more I grow in my relationships and I'm able to be in real relationship with other people and experience that because that is the most beautiful thing in the world, being better than someone or smarter than someone or whatever. That's, that's like one on a scale of one to 10 real genuine relationship is 10 and you can only get there by shedding the ego. I said at the beginning of this interview, this will be the best women's interview that we've had, but I'll got to be honest with you. This has probably been one of, if not the most powerful interview I've done as I've been hosting this podcast. And I mean that with no BS. That was an, an incredible story, had no idea the depth coming into it and your ability to kind of tell your story and place lessons along the way and, and teach as you go. Um, I guess a mishmash of you know what you went through, your, your training in the medical profession, uh, and then just who you are today and what you just described now about getting the ego and, and the struggles with that. Really powerful. I honestly, thank you. Thank you so much for pouring so much into this interview. Yeah, uh, if somebody want to learn more about you or Black Swan, how could people find out more about you? Yeah. So our website um, is blackswanteam.com. Um, you can find out about us there, sign up for our newsletter. Um, we have a, a Facebook group where we teach other people about investing at single family at scale on Facebook. Um, and I'm always reachable via email too. As I mentioned, I, I love to connect with people. My email is elaine at blackswanteam.com. And I just want to say, I, I love, I, I know I said it in the beginning, but I want to say it again. The people in GoBundance are some of the most just amazing people I have met. And I think it really comes from a desire to really connect with each other, to really serve each other, to really get to know each other, to grow together the women in GoBundance are just amazing. I'm, I'm happy that I'm here and able to, to be the first woman interviewed, but there are dozens of just amazing women in there. And I look forward to the time that, that they can share their stories and their voices. I have been so impacted by being in relationship with those women. And I know they have a ton to share with this audience. Amen. Amen. It's been incredible for me on the men's side as well. Excuse me. And it's been great getting to know you. So thank you again for, uh, for all of what you provided us today and look forward to connecting more in the future. Absolutely. Thanks, Jamie. Right, thanks again. The wrong tribe confounds the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy! Oi, oi, oi! The Honorable Australia, you croaky abundant sky! Well, the Aussies won't have it! 
about the Ecuadorians are saying, come on, win it, go Bennett's, grab life big at the Galapagos Islands and Ecuador, September 13th through September 23. We fly into Quito and immediately ship off to the Hot Springs Resort, where you can put one foot in the Northern Hemisphere and one foot in the Southern Hemisphere at the same time. Selfie! Day two, we travel to the Amazon jungle, go straight into it with some epic class four whitewater rafting. That night we stay at stunning Hamadrati Jungle Lodge. Then we travel downriver to a remote indigenous village for our give back project. There we'll be giving to a village of indigenous Ecuadorians who so need our help in rebuilding their community. And of course, we will be bringing hundreds of GoBundance Frisbees to teach the kids the game of Ultimate Frisbee. Later that day, we'll be welcomed into the same community and thankful for our efforts and we stay with the tribe. We say adios to our newfound friends and travel back upriver and onward by road from the jungle back into the mountains. This afternoon, we'll reach Banos, a small town situated in a valley at the base of an active volcano. Then we'll head to nearby San Martin Canyon for a bunch of cool activities like zip lining, walking across a high, high, high suspension bridge, via Ferrata, whatever the hell that is, and a canopy jump into the Rio Pastraza. Sort of like 12 shots of B12 right there. Day five from Banos, higher to the Andes towards Cota Paxi. Now, we're gonna break into two groups. Each group is gonna do something on this amazing mountain or volcano. You will have your choice. Choice one, we're gonna wake up at midnight and summit that sucker so we are there at the sunrise. Now the summit is 19,347 feet. No joke. I highly recommend you train hard for this. Be ready for this, because 19,347 is no joke. We'll have another group head to Hacienda La Aligra, a family-owned horse farm located in the panoramic volcano valley. We're gonna do some horseback riding and then do an epic mountain bike ride. You don't have to decide till you get there. It's gonna be absolutely epic either way. We'll all return to Quito. It's time for Aspiring Adventures Epic Amazing Race. What a way to see Quito, Ecuador. Then we fly out of Quito to the Galapagos Islands. There we stay at the famous Finch Bay Eco Hotel for three nights in a row. And this afternoon, we're gonna go wander and check out some of the weird and wonderful wildlife. We're gonna do some scuba diving, snorkeling in the pristine waters of the Galapagos. Bucket list item check! Then on day 10, we are going deep sea fishing. This will be a day of epic nautical bombastic.
Bestia! And we fly out of the Galapagos, refreshed, re-energized, and with a soul that is majorly fulfilled. Ecuador is bound to be one of GoBundance's most epic international adventures yet. And I hope to see you there. Go Ecuador! Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, 5 million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.